Hello, and welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. And in this episode, we're going to feature an interview that I did with Kat Lewis from Reward Gateway about their new work modes model. Looking forward to it, Stephen. And I think one of the things is this isn't totally in response to the COVID, is it, that they were doing this pre-COVID? That's right, yeah. And I think it is interesting that because I think as we go back to the new normal, I do think it's important to realise that this is not just a reaction to the pandemic. This is the way we were all going um, in any case. And I think perhaps Reward Gateway were further down that path than, than most people. But I think we're all, we've are all we all been tending in this direction and I think we've all been sent further down that path than, than we perhaps would have got to naturally uh, by now. Probably another example of where I think the pandemic has just speeded up a lot of the way we were going um, anyway as as businesses and organizations um, anyway should we listen to what what yourself and Kat had to say I'm joined by Kat Lewis, the Head of Internal Comms and Employee Engagement uh, at Reward Gateway, to talk mostly about her article, Beyond Working From Home, which we've published in the uh, Summer 2021 edition of Customer Insight. So Kat, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, And do you want to start just by explaining a little bit about about yourself? Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on your podcast. My name is Katrin. I, as you say, work for Reward Gateway. So we're an employee engagement company on a mission to make the world a better place to work. And my role is head of global engagement and, as you said, internal communication, which really covers the entire, a large majority, I'd say, of the employee experience at work. Um, As I've been doing the role over the last five years, I've really learned a, a, a lot about engagement. And I just think the transformation of open, honest leadership has been a real game changer for not just our company, but several of other companies that I work with as well and leaders that I coach too. So yeah, confidence in communications and and being more transparent with employees, that's what I'm really, really passionate about. Brilliant. All of that is music to our ears because uh, to tell you a little bit about us and, and our listeners will know this, we, we're a big believer in, in the idea that employees create the customer experience. And if you believe that happy customers make for profitable, sustainable businesses, as we do, then you have to believe that happy employees are kind of an essential driver of that um so yeah that that, that definitely resonates with us yeah for sure I'd say yeah happy passionate employees as well so perhaps they're not beaming with smiles every day but it's because they really really care and want to make a difference in the business you could have people speak up when they feel something's not being done right in the company and that's just as important as employees that are are really just delighted at work everyone's the ones that are really emotionally connected to the business and just want to see it succeed so that's what I'd say the true engagement is. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Caring is more important than yeah. Yeah, always thinking everything is is jolly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll link to your article in the show notes for, for the podcast so people can sort of read that themselves. One of the things I really liked about it was it, it takes this idea of hybrid working that everyone's talking about at the moment and it makes it a bit more concrete. So it's saying it's not just the case that sometimes you're in the office, sometimes you're at home. It's, you, you're doing specific kinds of work in the office and specific kinds of work at home. Mm-hmm. So could you just talk us through kind of how you developed that model and how, how your sort of thinking came together on that? So the interesting thing is that our work modes model, it's not something that was a result of the pandemic or lockdown or, or 2020. We've actually had that model in place since 2016. We designed the work modes when we did our complete office refurbishment. So 
back then we were looking for a new home to make our um, statement office really so anybody that's been to our Tottenham Court Road office will have seen how it's completely designed to reflect our culture employee engagement at its core and just create even the way we communicate is reflected in the space that we have so there's no barriers to communication and no, no long dark corridors with closed doors at the end where meetings take place. Everything flows in the in the physical space as well. So that whole process back then, we went through surveys with employees. We went through um, roundtables, really understanding how they worked, what tasks went into their role, what did they feel was a hinder to progress, what was the most productive environment for them. And we did that across all departments. And that's where the work mode started to be defined from because we had this really great data set to make decisions on. We had it in place. We started to do a full global refurbishment of all of our offices. And then in February in 2020, we actually completed it with our, I mean, it's, it's a really incredible workspace, our office in Plovdiv in Bulgaria. It's our biggest one yet. Slightly different to the other offices that we've got because the work modes in that office space centres around support and engineering largely and there's other teams there as well some business function teams but that's really where the core of our product is, is made and our customers are supported fast forward a month they were in there for, for four weeks and the office closed and obviously we had lockdown for the year and our employees were then working from home we were in so many conversations throughout that time I imagine like every HR team it was an agenda point for our, our meetings and we were just I was just observing so many people talk around I mean not, not just in our meeting but on LinkedIn and big company headlines saying we're going to go back one day a week or two days a week but it doesn't really start with why anybody would do that it's really missing the point it just felt like very arbitrary conversations that were just thinking well We've got to do something, so let's just offer up a number. That seems easy, but it's just vague and random, and it just seems to be just completely missing the point as to what the office space is really there for and what your employees are doing. So if you can start with trust that your employees are going to do the right thing, and then you can start with why, that was a that was the basis for our model. And I um, was really pleased to say to, to have that in place and say, well, we have been doing this. It just turns out that the left side of our model is really lends itself well to working from home. Mm. We've removed the need for tiny office spaces, which like uh, floor space in London's expensive. Well, in lots of locations, we've got rents expensive. So is using that space for one-on-one -on -one rooms or the individual call spaces, is that a great return on, on rent for just having that call booth there? Or can we maximize that by just saying, you know, organize your time properly and you can have your call dates at home and then come into these spaces to collaborate and yeah, bring people together. So that that kind of summarizes how it came about in our thinking through 2020 and how it evolved. There's a load of things I want to get into in that, but I think the one that really stuck out for me there was this idea of trust, which again, I'm a massive believer in this. I think if you, if you don't trust your people, why are you employing them? <laughs> Surely a better yeah. solution is to find a load of people you do trust. And I know that sounds trite and, and, and simple, but but really, to me, it should be that simple. Like if, if you can't trust your people, get new people that you do trust. And otherwise, the problem's probably not them, it's probably you. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to say there were the stories that I did hear around perhaps you'd have managers monitoring people in their home space or these mm -hmm. constantly open Zoom calls that would see that you're sat at your desk in your office. 
it's more of a reflection on you as a leader than it is as your employee or the people you're hiring. It says a lot more about your company in how you treat people. So yeah, it go, it t- everything goes two ways. It's just a complete balance. Mm. And there has apparently been a boom in performance monitoring products, um, which are basically spying on your people, which are just mm-hmm. fine. Odd, frankly, but I, I suppose perhaps a more um, productive way of asking a, a similar question is what, what, you know, as you roll out these work modes and, and this, this kind of new way of working, I guess most people respond to it very positively and think this is brilliant. I can make the best decisions where I can be most productive. Do you get any people who 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 sort of find it um, not comfortable to have to make those decisions or not comfortable managing their team in those in that way of working? Well, I think this. some people might look at that grid and find that it's a bit prescriptive. And I think I had some comments on the, on the article uh, when I posted the image on LinkedIn, actually, to say, why do you need to tell people what to do? And it's not, it's, it is recommended. It's about some employees don't feel empowered to make those decisions. Not everybody is as confident or as close to work from home policies as the HR team is. So this is about giving those employees the... Yeah, the the confidence and empowerment and the permission, I suppose, to do it. Not that it's needed, not that it's given, but for some people, it could be their first job. They've never worked in an environment like this before. They could have come from a completely different industry and into the office environment. It just makes it so the whole worry of am I doing the right thing is removed for them Mm. and supports them to be focusing on the right thing rather than worrying about am I in the right place right now. We haven't had too much push back on on the work modes at all I've tried to be as inclusive as possible on the tasks that are there you'll see I think there's about 72 different tasks that our employees will be able to see that's me that's what I'm doing we did have one piece which was asking employees if you know video call is such a big part of what we do as a global business as well and one thing that we really valued and liked through lockdown was learning how much more productive meetings are when everyone's on zoom or everyone's in the room mm. so where uh, we'd had before maybe my own team actually we have somebody who's in the us i think it was probably the best year for her yet having all the team log in individually to join meetings rather than her being one person looking in and that's still going to be the hardest thing to change going in because it's so tempting to just put one person from another country on the video and have them chip in while everybody else is in the room but people have just said to us they feel like they're kind of left behind that they can't contribute in the same way that the meeting's not not listening to them because they're not present and and that's a barrier so I do want us to move us to either all zoom or all in the room where possible yeah that's a little bit of a habit to change but we'll get there (laughs) yeah and I think all of us have probably found that over the last year or so that yeah, Zoom calls, you maybe get a bit tired of them if you have a full day of them, but but they do work pretty well for a meeting and face-to-face meetings obviously work pretty well, but they don't really join together at all. I think I mean, even in the days before Zoom and, and video conferencing, you know, the old fashioned kind of conference call systems in the middle of the meeting table, or there was yes. always, you know, one one or two people from a, <laughs> the other office that you totally forget about because there's no visual reminder of at all. That makes total sense. That as, yeah. At least as a general principle, you don't kind of mix modes. You, you're either in the room or you're online, but not both. Yeah. So from so we've done um, the work modes that you've seen and then part of those, the visuals um, there, and that sits within a wider policy or guide 
that goes into more details around it. And then part of that guide is our meeting etiquette. And then as we return to the office, I'm now working on a office space etiquette as well, like things that we want to stop, start, carry on as we go forward and make sure that our offices were designed in the same way that we think about our products. So we user tested it all. We went through like what are the use cases for each part of the office? And we'd really used our same mindset for the way that we would design any tech to like how we design the office space. Mm. We just need to remind ourselves of those use cases for this is what that part of the office is for and put that in place as well. And some people say, but it's obvious, isn't it? But honestly, there's people that don't speak up or say what they need. And then when they get this guide, they just have the, the confidence in seeing something written down that they can refer to. Um, it really is supportive, especially for new managers as well. They're very appreciative of it. It's really important to be clear about, you know, as you say, what are bits of the office for? And even like words like meeting, I think are, are a bit dangerous because meeting can cover so many things. Is it, are we, you know, are you receiving information? Are you contributing mm-hmm. to, you know, an outcome? Are we trying to do something? I think meeting doesn't do the job, you know, the word meeting doesn't do a good enough job at saying, what are we meeting for? Um, yeah. And this is, again, a personal rant, really. But I think the, the clearer you can be in everything you do, and you use the word design, which I think is exactly right. The, the, you, you design the office, you design a meeting. You know, the, the, the plan you come up with for a meeting is a design to achieve something. And if you're clear about yeah. that, then it's easier to, to make that happen. Which kind of links back is another thing I wanted to pick up on, which is you talked about the importance of the why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, why are you at home? Why are you in this type of space in the office? Why are you in that type of space in the office? Could you just sort of unpack that a little bit for us? You know, what what kind of underpins that, the thinking about that why? Sure. So um, you might be familiar with our engagement bridge model, part of our, uh, our thought leadership and just the whole of the employee experience is the role that workspace plays in engaging your employees. So when you have employees come into one of our spaces and they get the reward gateway full experience, they're immersed in our brand, in spaces that are specifically designed for employee experience. For onboarding an employee, they are literally in the culture, like surrounded by that space and that branding and everything that's been there to enable their success. And so a strong why for still having that connection to the office is because we believe it's a core foundation of employee engagement. And there are spaces designed specifically to accelerate your role or projects or just remove barriers to communication. Now, there are things that we learned in 2020, which do work well at home. It's more folk, open plan offices, can have a tendency for being a little bit noisier sometimes or people approaching you because you're there, you don't have those boundaries. So when you want that and you want to have the heads down focus plugged in, maybe you don't want to sit with most people like having music on to focus too, but maybe not wear headphones all day long, just do that at home. We did provide all of our employees with desk bundles so they still can have a chair that's bought for and a desk and um, basic IT equipment to set up a actual office space at home so they can feel right I'm at work now Mm. and there are different things in our digital workspace as well which I really learned so we've got a really strong engagement platform which is there which presents the brand to them in their home environment environment but I think the strongest why is that your office space is that a step into your your world as a company and it's where you just fully immerse them in who and what you what you stand for and who you are. I really like that point you've made about the link between culture and the physical space that the, that the work is being done in, and I suppose the metaphorical virtual space that is being done in, in online, I, I, I definitely think that's true. And I think one of the 
one of the dangers is that you can't just do it, can you? So say you say you want to foster a, a culture of innovation. You can't just go and get a load of beanbags and expect it to happen. And and you see this happening. So go to offices where there's all these cool co-working spaces and no one's in them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't make that culture of collaboration and, and co-working happen unless there is the space for it to happen. So they, they kind of go together. Yeah. You, can't, you can't just copy and paste, but it's essential to have somewhere to do your culture. Yeah, you need to you do need to design it and put the thought behind it. And I think with certain leaders, for instance, when we're talking to them about their work modes and they're like, how does this apply to me? Because I'm going to be in meetings all the time because I'm, I'm on one-on-one at the CEO's. Uh, lifestyle founder lifestyle that's what they're doing and I said well that's because your work mode in your role is heavily on the one-on-one or heads down I was like you can talk about that but my role as internal comms person you'd also use that as an example and say your role is heavily designed towards briefing Mm -hmm. small briefing all of those ones as well so everybody will have a unique way of working and I think just having this breadth of styles acknowledged at least to show that we do appreciate that everyone's different it's not just that binary one day you're going to come into the office because that's what we all do it doesn't make sense because there's probably over 100 different roles at RG that people do so getting them all just to fix on you're going to come in two days or or whatever doesn't encompass like how many different jobs they're doing I mean that kind of um, brings me on to my next question which is as we talk, it's the 6th of July. So on the 19th of July, um, everything is going to go back to normal, um, according to, mm-hmm. to sort of the current, what the government is currently sort of suggesting. By the time this podcast goes out, who knows what may have changed, but that's what, what it looks like at the moment. How are you anticipating, and you, you mentioned it predated coronavirus, how, how are you anticipating it may change as we begin to go back to normal? I think now with the reopening of our offices, it's given us a time to um, strengthen our work modes, to re-communicate them through our manager sessions that we do, to kind of appreciate the spaces and how they were designed to enable those, and perhaps to focus now on designing our time better. So we can use them to really make our week more effective and think, right, I know on Mondays, Tuesdays, that's when I'm most in flow and I'll be able to get my head down and really do the project work. Maybe it's Tuesdays that I find that my energy levels aren't quite the same and I'm way more focused towards chatting, catching up, video calls or in-office time when I would have that and get myself into a really everybody get themselves into that new routine of of where they can really thrive and something that suits them. That makes a lot of sense to me and when I talk to people about this I have a bit of a a sort of pet hate of the phrase but what if because as soon as you think Mm -hmm. someone will say but what if but I'm going to do do it to you anyway. Um, So I, I think one of the things that I hear people say when we're talking about this kind of these new potentially ways of working is what what about I need to get all the team together, you know, on a regular basis and Susan doesn't work Thursdays and Mark doesn't work Wednesday mornings and it and you get all these mm-hmm. kind of difficulties of aligning people with with those sort of competing needs. You know, maybe I work best uh, concentrating on a Monday and maybe someone else works best yeah. concentrating on a Wednesday. So how how that's just dumping a load of problems at you. How do how do you go about resolving those? No, that's fine. So we have under So hybrid working is where we say that's where you work. Flexible working is how we work. And we say to our employees, there's really one golden rule to remember in this. That's that you should never miss an important work event 
and never miss an important life event. So we appreciate that if you um, have responsibilities, caring responsibilities, parental responsibilities, or just really significant anniversaries or things that have to happen, fertility treatment, all sorts of things that people go through, then don't miss those events. But similarly, if we're doing an all hands event, and that's perhaps on a day that you wouldn't normally come in, but we are going ahead with it because that's what works in the time that we've got allowed, then we would ask all employees to be flexible with us as well and to be accommodating for the times that we would have in. And if it's all hands and we will either go online or we'll have people come into the, Mm -hmm. to collaborate in the spaces. I do think um, one learning that I will take from last year is, you know, before, before the pandemic, we did spend a lot of money a lot of time planning and organizing all hands events where we would fly leaders around the world to go to the different office spaces. They would then get on stage and present to our employees who were brought together to sit next to each other in silence for like four hours while they're watching strategy (laughs) presentations. And then we would go from country to country to make sure everybody's updated with the kind of, we did these uh, quarterly business updates and the I mean, it's not it's not about cost, but they were they were a significant part of the budget that I had. Right. And then employees would love them because at the end of the day, they would then perhaps go out for dinner together or they'd have some sort of social element there. And they really looked after they looked forward to that. And then the talk the next day would always be around the social element, like how much fun they had last night. And the talk around what the event was like would focus on all the chairs were uncomfortable. There weren't enough toilets. The food wasn't right because they weren't doing this. So I have. I have taken the decision like through lockdown we converted this to webinar series where we wouldn't be doing them for four hours they're one hour sessions that we could have we could ramp them up to being monthly we we did that through covid to make sure that everybody knew strategy was secure visible that it was really obvious that the business had a handle on things and no need for them to worry about employment and now we've scaled right back to quarterly again that those are scoring equally high so people are still as satisfied as they were with coming together the focus is all on the business content that's there they can sit at home and watch them on their sofas which is very comfortable and have them on their tvs if they want to as well and organize their own refreshments which is really great and it frees up so much of our budget for now doing things which we can do when we do bring them together they're not sat in chairs watching a presentation for that much time they're doing something which is going to be really celebratory we can use the money towards recognition for our employees we can use it to you know show them how much we appreciate the work that they've done and do it for all the best reasons for bringing people together when there's really hands-on work maybe it's hackathons something around communication diversity inclusion workshops or something that's quite different to being spoken to by your leadership that's there personally i I totally agree with that and i can think what one thing the past kind of year has made us all do is is probably reflect on why do we do some of the things that we've always done? Because we've well, always we've done, done them that way. Yeah. <laughs> actually, does anyone get much out of these things? And if you do a sort of cost, if you were to do a kind of zero based budgeting approach to it and go, we're starting from nothing and justifying why we're spending thousands of pounds flying everyone around to do presentations mm-hmm. that no one really seems to value well, why would we do that? Surely there'd be a better way of doing the same thing. So yeah, I think that it is a, a chance for us all to evaluate. Yeah. Where is the value? And can we get that value better or cheaper somewhere else? Or actually is the real value in that? In which case, let's go back to doing that as soon as we can. He won't mind me saying this. I was, I was talking to my CEO on Friday 
And I said, it just seems really funny to me now that because he he is very, very dedicated to his Monday update. He writes a blog and it shared with the company and he's been doing that for the last four years, our CEO, which is amazing. So everybody hears from every Monday. However, I was like, we then flew flew to all the different locations to then you get on stage and speak to employees when they hear from you every Monday anyway. And I just find that really hilarious now. We should totally flip it on its head. And that's actually the one opportunity where you had the chance to go around and listen to the employees and for them to be on the stage telling you how the business is working, telling you what they're really proud of, telling you about all those achievements. And, you know, it would start to you know, the iceberg model of ignorance where it says leadership only know 4% and just start to melt that iceberg so that they know he would have so much visibility and know so much more from all that time that was um, spent visiting other locations. So yeah, I am, I, I really appreciate that learning from last year and it's certainly shaped what's to come in, uh, in the year ahead. So we've moved kind of quite a long way away from your your work modes there really so sort of to talk about culture ways of working and and also leadership which are and clearly all those things are kind of joined together aren't they and I think as you were saying at the beginning really talking about trust if we're going to adopt ways of working which at least seem to require more trust I think it's sort of in brackets I always think why does it need more trust I mean you can put you can force people to be in the office you can't force them to work you know mm-hmm. you, there's just you can't it's not physically possible unless you unless you're a sort of slave driver with a whip you cannot make people be engaged or make people work you've got to trust them it's just that that is really obvious when they're sat at home on their own when as opposed to when they're yeah. sat at office. so I guess you need in order to, to to kind of embrace a more flexible way of working which involves trusting people you need a leadership I suppose leadership team but you know starting right at the top with the chief exec you need leadership that embraces that idea of trusting its people allowing them to make good decisions about what's the best place for me to get the work I need to do done and then that becomes culture you know so so these these the idea of ways of working physical space culture leadership those are all kind of an overlapping Venn diagram I guess yeah I think so the work modes where you see the different activities that are being under each um, work mode that we have, you will spot in there some of the things that I mentioned just now. So LTTV, that's our webinar that's happened. There are leadership activities in there. So people know this isn't just me doing it. I'm not just being told as an employee. This is an all company activity and it is the way that the culture works here. Then the work modes being normalised into our communications and just our general business narrative the way that I would I would speak with our leadership team and ask them to use terminology like plugged in or sorry I'm in briefing that day I'm not able to so it becomes just part of the everyday and then once it's early stages yeah maybe that's the second thing that I'll be looking forward to post uh post July 19th is when I start to hear people using it just in everyday language to say you know, it's really embedded into the culture now, as much as our values are, our work modes will be, and that will be a success for me. It's always the test, though, isn't it? When someone explains your idea to you, you know, you know, it's been a good one. Yeah, well, when people say, no one says, I search the internet now, they say, oh, I googled it. 
So if they'll say, I'm working from home, I'm plugged in that day. So I'm going to be working from home. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, yes, we've, we've, <laughs> we've got it. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for coming along, Kat, to explain, explain that in a bit more detail and sort of bring it to life a little bit um, for the podcast. Uh, as I say, I'll put a link to the article for anyone who wants to, to read it uh, in the show notes. And thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, that was really was uh, an interesting listen, Stephen. I think a couple of things that really jumped out uh, at me was very much, why are we going back to the office and really utilising this moment of let's not just not go back because that's where we used to work. Um, and, and obviously, Kat was coming from a from a slightly further point of, of, of thinking originally. But I think that's a really interesting thing to not just go back to where well, we used to do it this way. You know, that, that philosophy, if you like, of really analyzing the way everything is designed the way the office space is the way you know working patterns are the way i mean even hierarchies and, and everything about the way an organization works is designed or, or should be designed and when you think about it in those terms it will, well what's it designed to achieve you know what why are we having this meeting and why do i need to be in the office why do i need to be at home well, what is it i'm trying to to do you know what are the tasks i'm trying to accomplish and where will they best be done and there's always this balance between you know me personally, my productivity, but also the team working together yeah. and, and the sort of the, the bigger picture productivity. And I don't think there's easy answers to to what's to, to the questions, but that but you need to to think about them deliberately to, to even approach answering them. And I think that's that's part of the whole thing that that Kat raises these questions. You know, when perhaps I default to thinking about culture, you start thinking of the way people behave or act around here you don't naturally think about the workspace or the work location. And Kat's dead, right? You absolutely should do. How does that fit into your culture? Mm-hmm. And even just starting to have that debate, you think there's a lot of mileage to be had here. Um, and, and I know we've probably all default slightly to, oh, do we need to go to meetings so much? Could that save time? Could that save money? But the, there is the, how, is our, how does that work with a culture internally with us as an organization? But what culture do we have with our clients and our suppliers? And how now do we want to interact with them? Do we want the supplier knocking on our front door? You know, are we going to be knocking on our client's front door? The point really, I suppose, is that all this stuff needs to be thought about. And I I think, uh, as I said to you kind of offline, actually, before we started recording, uh, my big fear is that when we inevitably get this wrong, our first attempts are almost bound to not be perfect, aren't they? So when that happens, do we rush back to the status quo or do we keep thinking about it and trying again and refining what we tried to get to something that's better? Um, And I really hope that we do that. Uh, And I I fear we end up running back to the status quo just because it's easy. I think this is where Kat's questions are so valid and they need to be seen in a bigger cultural, higher level, you know, what's the CEO going, why is he going around doing all these meetings? What's he getting out of it? What's the organization getting out of it? It needs to be really sort of a board level decision about the culture we are, not an operational decision. I want all the people who reporting to me sat in this room so I can keep an eye on them yeah well that's so I can keep an eye on them is definitely not a good reason to do it the whole idea of trust comes in that there's been that that rise in software that checks people's activity and I do think one of the things that the pandemic has done is really exaggerate 
um, not just clients who are delivering great client satisfaction and are still doing it and some others have struggled, but but also ex- exaggerate internal cultures. You know, if you have a culture where you mistrust your employees, you've probably gone a bit more to that extreme. If you have a culture where you trust your employees, you've probably gone to that extreme. And it's probably forced a little bit of polarization um, on, onto everyone's culture. But fantastic podcast, really good interview um, with Kat. And I definitely must listen to really for everyone at this current state to, <laughs> who's thinking of going back into the office. Well, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, if you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or TLFresearch.com. And you can find uh, Kat's article on the customer insight bit of the website. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thanks, everyone.